Hello and welcome back to another SF Live episode. We have another expert with us this morning, and uh, it is Brian London. He's the publisher and editor of the Gold Newsletter. I'm extremely excited to have him back on because I have to admit, watching, looking at my watch list this morning, I was a bit down, but talking to him just now pre, pre this conversation, I'm a bit more upbeat. I'm quite excited about to hear what he has to say, what he has to tell us about the gold market. So we're going to quiz him. Also, make sure... It to use the hashtag function on either Twitter, use hashtag AskBrian, or use the YouTube chat, and I see we already got a question in already. So make sure you use that. It's an interactive format. Of course, Brian and I will be chatting a bit about market sentiment. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll be getting to some of his top picks as well. But uh, we want to ask your questions too. Make this an interactive format so you get something out of this conversation as well. Also, don't forget to follow us on YouTube. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Turn on that little notification bell as well. That way you get notified when we go live with all our updates as we do all our interviews live. So you do have an advantage over all the other investors that just watch the replays. And uh, as you as the live viewer put in the extra effort and we want you to have that effort and uh, advantage. Now, enough of me. Let's switch over to Mr. Brian London. Brian, thanks for joining us again. How are you? I'm doing great, Kai. Great to be with you. I, I, I have to say, I feel so pleased that I lifted your spirits in our in our pre-talk. There, it it gives me hope that I might be able to be able to fall back on a career in counseling for gold bugs at some point. Yeah, we might have uh, to set up an AA anonymous meeting for that. Like, yeah, gold bucks. Just anonymous. a support group. You know, some years in the bottom of the market, our New Orleans conference does feel like a support group as much as anything else. Uh, and all these other conferences as well. But great to be with you this morning. Yeah, it's great to have you back on. Like, it's been a while. You were a panel guest on SF Live when we had our little panel sessions in uh, earlier 2020, actually, in April 2020. Um, let's talk about what has changed since then as well. And uh, it's great to have you back on. Talk about gold. Um, but let's talk about that. What has changed since April 2020? Uh, I know there's a lot to unpack in there. And let's... Uh, I'm trying to figure out, like, where do we start this part, actually? Lots to unpack. Let's, yeah. let's talk about the overall economic situation, maybe. And then we, we segue into gold. Yeah, it, well, if you look at it from that lens of where we've gone in about a year, I mean, for the gold price and the silver price, we've gone up, down, sideways, up again, sideways again, and then down, down, down. <laughs> and uh, um, so it's been quite a ride. And, and I think... A lot of what we've seen is just exhaustion of that big move. We have to digest that really big move we had up to about August. And if you look at what's happened since, you know, from a technical aspect, we plunged through every support level in gold uh, and silver, every support level, everything everybody watches, and it just dropped right through there. And I think what was happening is it wasn't so important on a technical level but what the technicals are supposed to tell us, and that's market sentiment, in that there's so much going on in the background, fundamentally supportive of gold and precious metals. And when you look at all of the uh, uh, easy money, the loose money policies from the Fed, the stimulus coming up, the more stimulus coming up, the, the fact that the, the Fed cannot raise rates much, you can talk all at once, but they can't raise rates given the size of the debts that have been accumulated. And I think in the face of those kinds of fundamentals, we needed a more dramatic drop in the metals to to wipe away the enthusiasm uh, to get to that selling exhaustion. Um, so we, we we broke through a lot of the, the support levels that would have indicated we should have gone even further down. And yet we didn't. I think, you know, knock on wood, um, 
we we may have bottomed the last couple of weeks and in that we're you know we we haven't had a huge rally since we're not having obviously a good day today as we speak but i think we may have bottomed and we're going to have better days ahead i think if you try to divorce yourself from the emotions of what's happening right now or over the last couple of weeks or even over the next week if you look longer term given the amount of stimulus given the overall economic environment it's hard to imagine that gold and silver and mining shares will be selling for lower levels at that lower levels a year or two years down the road in fact it's most likely I believe that they'll be selling for much higher prices a year, two years, three years down the road. So in light of that, you know, I, I, my view is try to just huddle up and hunker down and, and sweat this out. A lot of value out there. You know, we were talking about it before we went on air, a lot of value out there at these at just these metals prices. Yeah, they're exactly. And we're going to get into more details like that, like yeah, what what are your top picks as well. But we're also going to talk about the miners for a minute as well. But uh, let's talk about sentiment for another minute. Like, what are we facing in terms of headwinds right now? Because because sentiment, it feels like it's it's worse than when we were at eleven hundred dollars, right? Um, stocks are trading at pretty much the same levels almost, um, but yet we're trading at seventeen hundred and ten dollars. I think this morning, uh, sixteen eighty held. Like what? What are we facing? Is it really bond yields going up that the institutional money is leaving for just a point, uh, a couple more tips, like <laughs> in the, in that yeah. space? Is that really it? Is it that simple? Yeah, it's in. When you look at these factors, these drivers for the gold price and the broader economy, it's not so much the levels because let's face it, we're at historically low rates. Uh, historically low interest rates. You know, Fed funds is is you know, is bottomed at around zero. Uh, the 10 year is about 1.6, 1.64, whatever. And it, it wasn't, I mean, these are historically multi, multi decadal lows in interest rates. So it's not where they are, but where they're headed and what is the direction. Um, and, and, you know, and what's the speed of that movement. So when we saw the 10 year, for instance, cross that line in the sand at one one and a half percent dramatic reaction in all the markets the the stock market put uh, had a hissy fit of course the gold market and silver market and metals markets sold off dramatically then they kind of got used to it and rates were stable for a while then not long ago it, it uh the 10-year hit 1.75 and we had a bit of a shudder in the the gold market but it wasn't as much of a shudder as we saw before not as much of a reaction so we have the metals uh, starting to to kind of shake that off and resist those kinds of moves. Uh, but then again, rates did not keep going. We didn't have a follow through to the upside. So it's it's a matter of things are kind of uh, oscillating back to an equilibrium. Uh, where rates go in the near term, I don't know. I think they're headed upward over the long term, not because the Fed wants them to rise or we'll won't be fighting it but just that the market is not going to accept those kinds of returns given the inflationary effects that we see coming up yeah it's like a good good advice probably would be buy the dips there and we've seen that a bunch of times in the last few months that buying the dip actually was a good opportunity um would you follow that advice as well or is that something you're looking at right now like what does your portfolio look like uh buying the dips in what uh, go, um, uh gold sorry it's like um in, in gold, precious yeah. metals right 
Yeah, yeah. And and again, you know, you're looking at if you're investing or buying metals as insurance or if you're you're trading. Um, if you're trading, yeah, I think buying the dips, if you look longer term, the metals will almost have to be higher. And of course, then uh, the, the mining stocks as well. Um, but I, you know, I tell people who are new to the sector that they have to buy physical as well. They have to put some physical physical metals away and look at it as insurance um, and, and not as a speculation. You know, just as an aside, they had uh, Fed Chairman Powell made those comments yesterday that, I mean, absolutely had me almost jumping through the screen of my computer when I saw them. I had to calm down before I could post you know, a sarcastic tweet. <laughs> and uh, he, he, he said gold was a speculation like Bitcoin and uh, the dollar was a store of value. I mean, really? I mean, how the question I had was, was he stupid or lying? And, you know, likely both. That's not mutually exclusive. He could have been doing both. But how ignorant could you be? Uh, and, and, and gold is a store of value, but it's also insurance against the inevitable destruction of the dollar and other fiat currency. So you need to have that component. Trading, yeah, by the dips, uh, I think, in, in everything. And in the mining shares, a lot of value out there right now. I've asked that a couple other guests as well, and like my, my feeling is like we, we've ran quite a bit in the last 18, 24 months, and for, for gold, precious metals to move up almost by, like at some point, we're almost up 100% in gold, uh, is, is a big move for, for something that actually is a store of value, in my opinion as well, so I'm not sure what Jay, uh, Jay Powell referred to. Um, yeah. but, uh, like, are, are we being too greedy? Maybe let's take a step back. Are we being too greedy as gold investors? Cause we've seen silver do decently well recently, but also Bitcoin, of course, you brought it up, uh, has been outperforming tremendously. Yeah. Um, are we being too greedy? Are we just, uh, are we jealous of, uh, outperformance of other sectors? Um, the, or, or should be more yeah. realistic? Well, I think you have to be realistic, you know, whether we're greedy, whether we're uh, not greedy, whether whatever the market sentiment is, is what the sentiment is. It's not how we personally feel. It's how the communal group, the greater group of retail investors feel. And history tells us that they are not excited unless the price of the metals is rising. Uh, and, you know, rising at a, at least a steady rate, consistent rate. So we're in a consistent uptrend. And, and you have to have that for gold and silver. You know, I, I, I tell people all the time, you can't have a bull market in any of the other associated metals and minerals. You can't have a copper bull market, a zinc bull market. As we saw at the last run of the 2000s, you can't have rare earths. You can't have your uranium mania, uh, all that stuff, unless you have a con at least in the equities, the associated equities, unless there is a concomitant bull market in gold and silver that is drawing retail investors into the sector and then they start looking for all these other opportunities. Um, so you have to have rising gold and silver prices really to get the junior mining, junior equity market um, moving and excited. So whether whether that's being greedy or not, let's just be realistic, it's what you need. Yeah. And uh, any other triggers besides gold and silver price? Is there anything else that would cause a bit of a, a fear factor, I almost call it? because. I, I'm curious, like what would trigger a run into precious metals or precious metal stocks as well? Yeah, well, you're looking further up the chain and, and what causes those rising gold and silver prices. And that's historically any kind of a long term trend is based on concerns on monetary issues, the value of currencies or the future value 
of currencies, relative value. And, and that typically goes back to retail price inflation. We've seen monetary inflation post 2008. We saw a lot of it, but the monetary, the money that was created was corralled within Wall Street. Now we're seeing a lot of that, uh, if not most of that money, just, I mean, figuratively helicopter money, except you don't need the helicopters. It's just directly deposited into bank accounts. Um, so it's really aimed toward Main Street instead of Wall Street. So we should see more of a stimulative, more of an inflationary reaction. And I think that's what those kinds of concerns are what we need for a longer term, a secular bull market in gold and silver. I think that's precisely what we're seeing. Uh, what we saw earlier in the year was that gold and silver kind of uh, anticipated, you know, uh, it's a predictive mechanism. So it predicted what we're seeing now in terms of more stimulus, fiscal stimulus, and these, this infrastructure plan coming up. Uh, it's always looking ahead to the next thing. Yeah, so, so that's, we have to see those kinds of concerns come back and we have to see uh, the market or investors get a bit used to rising interest rates. Um, and we have to see inflation expectations exceed the rise in interest rates. So real rates are actually headed lower, more negative. Yeah. Now, inflation is an interesting one. And uh, like, and it seems like people are more and more aware of it, uh, especially in my Twitter echo chamber. Uh, inflation seems to be the running joke of the week, it seems. Uh, I posted as well. I think the dollar, tra uh, the dollar tree here in Vancouver should be the dollar and a quarter tree by now. Because uh, I, <laughs> I was surprised. Like I bought some, some stuff for a kid's birthday party. And uh, she rang it up. It was like dollar twenty five. I thought this was the dollar store. Right. Yeah. So it's like uh, so there is inflation like you, you cannot hide it. And there's asset price inflation and stuff like that. Um, but I'm getting a bit off track here. But I, I wanted to ask you get back to the stimulus real quick and inflation in that regard. Where do you see American investor or not even investor Americans spent the, uh, the, the stimulus money? Do you track that? Like, are you buying MasterCard and Visa, for example? Because for me, like and I'm talking on and on here. But for me, like it, it is indirect stimulus for the banks as well, because a lot of the the money will go back into the banking system because people will have to pay credit card debts off. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, well, the, the first rounds of stimulus, the first direct deposited checks were, were went straight into bank accounts and went to nothing. They, they, it was a cushion because people were scared. They were worried. People are a lot less scared now. Uh, in effect, this stimulus probably wasn't needed because if vaccinations keep going as they are, the, we're going to have a, a pretty dramatic rebound economically, uh, both in you know the reality that things are going to start moving again, but also on a comparison basis to where they were before, which was full stop, virtually full stop. So all the numbers are going to look really good in, over the next few months. And I think the, the sentiment there is that people feel more secure, they're, they feel safer. Uh, they're more confident in the future, so they're going to spend that money a little bit more, um, a little more readily, and and that's going to be a real shot of adrenaline, I think, to the economy. The other thing, harkening back to what we just talked about inflation on inflation, is that we're going to get some tremendous year-over-year -year comps on the inflation numbers, uh, like next month. And uh, the year-over-year -year numbers are going to be, for the March numbers, March over March are going to be really amazing. And it's going to be a bit of a shock to the market. There's a thesis out there that, or maybe it's a hope that I have that the bond market perhaps has already factored that in, but other markets maybe have not so that we may not see a 
a rise in uh, in yields uh, for the 10 year when those numbers come out, had them having bought into it. But we may see some reaction in the other markets, in particular, uh, the metals to those inflation numbers that are coming out. So, uh, yeah, I think we're having stimulus. We're throwing gasoline on uh, on what already is. Uh, a fire erupting from the embers. Let's get back to the mining sector and let's, let's talk about undervaluations in the in the sector. And uh, um, free, free cash flow is being produced left, right and center right now, especially in the miners. Yeah. And I've did a bit of research before uh, jumping on our uh, call here because uh, I, I was curious, like Newmont produced $3.6 billion of free cash flow, Barrick $3.3 billion of free cash flow, Angla Gold Ashanti $743 million of free cash flow. That is up 485% from last year. And those are like the top three miners and that's for 2020. But uh, why is the sector so uninteresting? Like I'm working on a graphic right now to compare it with the S&P 500 and see what the free cash flow in the, in the top companies is. But I, I, it feels yeah. like it doesn't really compare. Like, why don't we care about these stocks? Why is it so unattractive? Well, we certainly care about them, but why doesn't, no. why, why, why isn't everybody else jumping on board? You know, it, I guess it, it doesn't fit into any neat, neat category. You know, there's the argument that's always going on value versus versus growth. If you look at the big miners right now, they're both value and growth. Um, and, and you see some smart people on CNBC and the like recommending them still. I, I think at some point, the market is going to have to recognize the earnings, the actual cash being built up, the cash being produced, the dividends being paid. And we're going to see that, I, you know, I don't cover the, the big producers in gold newsletter, but I think they're one of the best values out there right now um, with commensurately less risk than, than the juniors. And um, I think it has to be recognized at some point. You're going to get near junior level returns from some of these miners. And another as, another area to look at are juniors that are actually getting ready to go in production. There are some, in fact, I looked at a couple over the last week that I haven't recommended in Gold Newsletter yet, that over the next year are gonna be producing free cash flow uh, that you know rivals their current market caps. And uh, you know there are, there are those kinds of situations out there uh, in near term, you know, next year. Yeah. And uh, so it's it, the whole area, the whole sector is is full of values right now. Yeah, just on your point as well, I've noticed that Newmont has been going up against trend. It seems the last uh, couple of weeks, they I think they went from fifty five yeah. US to roughly sixty five US dollars, and that is against the trend. So maybe the market is starting to see something because they have increased their dividends and they're buying back shares. So I, I I'm just hoping they're not buying back the shares and pushing the market higher themselves. So that's the the only thing. But that would have to be a lot of buybacks to do that. And typically, you know, classically, that's the trend you see. The big miners move first, then on down the food chain, and that presages a move in the metals themselves. So if if that pattern, kind of classical pattern holds, then that's a good sign. Yeah, it, it, probably, it, it fits actually perfectly together with your comment earlier that we might have seen the bottom about two weeks ago, 10 days ago. Also, with bouncing yeah, yeah. off sixteen eighty gold, um, but so you you mentioned the developer space and, and near term producers. Like, where else do you see value in our sector right now? Across the board, really. I I've talked to a few, even some of the you know, the more grassroots hair and fire explore exploration place. You know, if you look at last August, where gold and silver were, and where the junior miners are, you can find a lot of very good companies, quality companies 
that are trading for nearly a third, as little as a third of where they were last August. So if you just see that kind of enthusiasm returning to the market, which you would if you have a, a nice rally in gold and silver, people talk about how, you know, there's damage done to the market, how reluctant it is. Let me tell you, FOMO is alive and well in the junior mining sector. When, when things look like they're about ready to run, you will get whiplash at how quickly the, the stocks will, will move. A few weeks ago, before we had even bottomed, gold had a day where it, it uh, you know, in the, in the, after a string of long drops, it, I think it rose about 10 bucks in the day or something, 10 or $14. And you, my tracking screen was just blindingly green. With, I mean, the juniors were just popping on that move. So they are primed and ready to go. Now, the negative of that is maybe we haven't had that washout sentiment that we really needed. But, you know, I, I'm not a big believer that junior mining sentiment really matters uh, because the metals don't move according to the way, you know, how enthusiastic people in Vancouver are. They, they move of their own accord for their own reasons. And then, you know, the junior mining sector responds to, the, to, to that broader Base sentiment and the broader base secular moves. Yeah, good, good, excellent points there. And uh, I, I think actually we have seen the flush out. If, if we're going to go back to the new month and the 1680 gold bottom, I think we have seen the flush out because I think some of the juniors, at least I follow my watch list, they actually really puked a day or so before that bottom hit. Yeah. Like they really, like it's a share drops like 15, 20% within a couple of days, but they've recovered some of that already and they haven't really made that way back yet. So I'm quite curious to see where that goes. Um, do, you, do you have a couple top picks that you want to share with us as well, like in, in the gold space that we can talk about? Yeah, uh, let's. I'm looking at our gold newsletter portfolio as we speak. As I go down the list, I like BlackRock Gold. I do own that stock um, at lower levels. I, you know, great targets. They're they're finding more. They're they're drilling. Just really amazingly uh, aggressive drill programs. So um, I, I think they're. You know, once we still see the silver space heat up again, uh, all of the silver stocks, I think, all the silver juniors are just going to take off like banshees. So BlackRock is one of those ones that benefited from really good early exploration results and hit that those results hitting at a time when the market was really getting enthusiastic for a silver place. I think we're going to see a repeat of that. Um, another one, uh, quick coincidentally that I do own electric royalties, not in gold and silver. It's been kind of bypassed. Uh, you see a lot of the battery metals plays have taken off over recent really years, but even, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in the, the broader theme for the battery metals. Electric royalties is a royalty play that has not seen uh, a lot of love because it's not a gold or silver royalty play. And the broader, battery investors in the broader battery metal theme have not yet discovered it so it's it's a good level just signed its first uh cash flow i was just gonna do they just did a bigger deal i saw that uh, pop up in my news feed recently so yeah they, they paid a lot for it um and um you know but that said if you look at the economics on the deal it's going to pay off for them uh, Empress Royalty is one, another early stage play, just announced a big financing, upsize of financing. I have no insight into why they are going to the market for, for that much money, but you have to feel like there's probably a deal coming up. Um, 
I, I, I have literally no insight into that at all, except for the announcement of that financing. I do own that one as well. Erdine is one I own as well. I like that. Um, if you look at the expiration uh, prospects for Erdine, they're absolutely extraordinary. Hidden inside one of the better development plays you'll see. They're going to be spinning out cash flow that rivals about half their market cap. Uh, but by uh, next year, early next year, they're they're probably going to be spinning out cash flow. That is a very significant percentage of the current market cap, and their expiration ground is is absolutely extraordinary. They're in Mongolia, correct? Yeah, we had them on the program a in while Mongolia. ago here, uh, or I don't know, feels like yesterday again, yeah. but uh, <laughs> it's probably a few months ago. Yeah, and there is there, you would expect a discount from Mongolia, but those kind of discounts get wiped away when cash flow starts, and uh, and that's something that's on the way. A stock that got away from me that I do not own, but I really like, is GR Silver Mining. Uh, just exceptional, consistent drill results, plus a lot of historic drill results that, that they're able to release. Steady, steady news flow. Uh, working toward a, a resource estimate on uh, the project where they had a lot of historic drill core and drill results from. Um, really like that. I wish it would get cheaper so I could pick it up at a time when I have liquidity. Uh, those two things have never coincided yet for me, but I really like that. Uh, quick disclaimer, they are a client of Sur Financial, actually, and uh, we own shares and options. So just wanted to mention that real quick. Um, you, you you mentioned the electric royalties that made me think of, are there, like you, you said, you, you have an eye also on uh, battery metals. Is there another commodity besides gold and silver, obviously, that uh, you like in particular? Yeah, you know, if you look at technology, yeah, it seems like lithium is the only uh, the only metal that they're not going to eventually try to de-emphasize to be able to get away from. Uh, we do have a number of lithium plays in the gold newsletter portfolio. I'm sad to say, again, none of which that I own for some reason or another never had the opportunity to do it. Neolithium has had a huge run. Piedmont Lithium, I uh, really like that play, very well run. I visited their project in uh, North Carolina and had every intention of buying it, just procrastination. I never bought it. And then all of a sudden they announced an offtake deal with uh, Tesla and quadruple in price overnight. Uh, what's interesting about Piedmont is that Keith Phillips, the CEO, is actually acquiring an interest in interest in other lithium projects and companies and actually expanding out of that. So he has there's a vision there for even bigger North American lithium play around some of the big uh, uh, some of the crucial auto manufacturing centers. So a big picture play. It, it's it's still, I think, a, a, a good value where it is, but it's just hard for me to buy it right now after I, I missed, no. you know, much lower no. levels. So, yeah, I, I think battery metals, it, my one play in the area really is personally is electric royalties. Uh, but if you can find a good high quality lithium play that has not been yet discovered, uh, Tell me about it, please. Well, I, saw, I, I discovered uh, Musk, uh, Musk exploration this morning, and they picked up the Elon project in Canada. So, um, I'm going to okay, let that one. I'm going to let that one sink in for a second. Musk exploration with the one? Elon project. Oh, okay. There you it's go. It's up 44 percent today. I'm not sure who's buying it. <laughs> that's just. I wonder. That's just an interesting <laughs> observation. I have, I have no idea of the quality of the assets, but that just screams something to me and uh i think that's called marketing probably 
Uh, like I try to be neutral here on SF Live, so I'm gonna s s just refrain from further commentary on that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Brian, it, like, it was fantastic talking to you. Gold is not dead. We just need a bit of a jolt and uh, a, big, yeah. uh, a bit of a return to reality. I really appreciate you joining us. It was great talking to you. Thanks for coming on. Kai, always a pleasure. Let's do it again before the next pandemic or during the next pandemic. Whenever you'd like, I'm all, I'm ready to go. I can't wait, by the way, to come down to New Orleans to your event. So I'm, I'm hoping that happens in person. I know you're planning for it. So yeah, and uh, October, October uh, 19th to 22nd will be an in-person event. I think it's going to be a blockbuster, a welcome home event to the entire sector. So we'll, we're going to have more details throughout awesome. the year. And they can find more at goldnewsletter.com. Correct? Yes, absolutely. Fantastic. Brian, thanks for joining us. Everybody else, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. This was SF Live episode 154 with Brian London. He's a publisher and editor of The Gold Newsletter. And uh, make sure to follow us on YouTube, follow us on Twitter. Turn on that little like and subscribe button as well. That way you get notified when we go live. We do all our interviews live, so make sure you use that to your advantage. And uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back on Thursday with more updates and interviews. Thanks so much.